and it's just like all these things that blew our minds and now it's like oh yeah you can fold glass and also download your grandmother's consciousness into your iPhone people will just be like oh yeah sure alright Crash Team Racing you are obsessed with you say is so far superior to Mario Kart it is You have your fingers and a lot of pies. <laughs> no. How are you juggling it all? Well, how am I juggling it all? I'm, I'm very poorly, <laughs> you know. <laughs> uh. It just feels like beating a dead horse, you know, and, and it's just not creatively interesting. Um, I'm going to milk it as much as I can. And like for me, I just never felt comfortable doing that because that's not why I did YouTube in the first place. It's not what I value. Oh, hey, Jeffrey Epstein's dead again. Wow. We have to know a very personal thing oh. about you. Two people now have opened this window into their soul for us. We need to know the details of your persona. <laughs> My persona. Hey, welcome to the Create Unknown. I am Kevin Lieber. With me, as always, is Matthew Tabor. Joining us today is youtuber slash podcaster slash pixelated video game star chris <laughs> raygun <laughs> hey what's up how's it going it's going good we have some serious stuff to talk about some not so serious stuff i first want to mention something about toilets because uh recently <laughs> i got a new toilet and let me tell you the lid has kind of like um what do you call it? It like softly lowers oh, yeah, by itself. Yeah. You can't slam it. It's yeah. you're, uh, it, you're in cape. This is Kevin, such a big, why would you, a big deal. Why would you slam a toilet seat down like it's like it's a bad phone call? Like oh. what what are the circumstances in which you need to slam the toilet seat? That's what no, I want to know. Accidentally slam okay. it because okay. you, it slips out of your hand and then it crashes and it makes a big you know noise. It's, but, it's but, the look, loudest sound. It's such oh, a loud sound. I'm glad like that. That I think I, I had a toilet like that, like in when I was living in New York and I was like, wow, this is crazy. This is insane. This I remember it being like it was almost like like a like a scientific revolution when I found out that that was a thing. It was it was like um, when the Xbox 360 came out and you could turn your console on from the controller. And it's like, what? This doesn't make sense. <laughs> I can't slam my toilet seat. And it's just like it's a religious experience almost. I'm so we have so to go back to outhouses so you can that. slam the outhouse door. Yeah. Ugh. A door is, is you know, well, slamming a door is awesome. Slamming a toilet seat is just like, it's always an accident and it's always just stupid and everybody looks at you like you did something wrong. Always. How how many people are in the bathroom to look at you when this happens? Well, you're coming out of the bathroom, presumably, right? <laughs> you're not just going to live there for the rest of your life. It's not the intro to Shrek forever. <laughs> Yeah, it's really hard to make a point or, or end an argument by slamming a toilet seat. I don't know what kind of argument that is, but I don't want any part of it. <laughs> that's it. That's a whole thing. I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad you had that experience because that is a really cool experience to have uh, <laughs> a toilet seat that doesn't slam that you can't even possibly slam. Can't drop it. I know, and it's such a tiny thing. And I'm glad that you appreciate it. And I love the the Xbox 360 turning on from the controller revolution and these little tiny revolutions these little iterative scientific revolutions happen all the time mm -hmm. and we take them for granted immediately and as soon as something you know uh, we, we go back even a little bit 
where you just like throw our hands up in disgust, like, oh, I can't believe this toilet seat is requiring me to lower it softly. <laughs> yeah. The fact that we've had foldable glass for a while now and it's just like, ah, whatever. Like nobody, nobody really thinks <laughs> twice about it is kind of insane. Like, I, like when that first, when I first saw that, I thought like, oh, people, people should be making a big deal out of this, right? It's foldable glass. And then no one gave a shit. Like it's so much harder <laughs> to impress people now than it used to be. Like people, like, like I said, like people used to be like, I can turn my console on from a controller. What? I can eject the disc from my couch. What? <laughs> and it's just like all these things that blew our minds. And now it's like, oh yeah, you can fold glass and also download your grandmother's consciousness into your fucking iPhone. And then like <laughs> people just be like, oh yeah, sure. All right. <laughs> it's like completely unimpressive. It's wild. What's it going to take to be impressive? What's, yeah. what's going to have to, to be a shift where you, what would come out where you would be blown away? Like this is for both of you. What would blow you away at this point? I really, teleportation. Teleportation would blow me away. Teleportation That's wouldn't fair. blow that would me away. That would be insane. What? No, but you why? know why? Because we've conceptualized it for so long that it's like, oh, good, finally. Oh. It'd be like, a, it'd be like, a, <laughs> it's about time. Like, because when I was like little, I used to think like 2020 used to seem like such a Star Trek ass year. Like it used to feel like it's like the fakest year. It's like 2020. That's not a real year. We're never going to see that. That's fake. That's fake yeah. people shit. That's fantasy. And now it's here and we we got foldable glass, I guess. <laughs> That's like the only real significant technology technological leap. Like I really think like the iPhone was like the last big thing. Like the, the, the second the smartphones came in, because when I was in high school um, and I might be uh, outing myself as either an elder or a child, you know, <laughs> I was in high school from 2007 to 2011. Those were my four years of high school. And when I came into high school in, in uh, uh, ninth grade in 2007, like some of my friends had phones, like flip phones, like Motorola razors, but not everybody did. Like only like maybe like 10% of my friends had like phones at all. And half of them couldn't even text because their parents wouldn't pay the, the, the texting thing or whatever. Uh, <laughs> but like, at the end of that high school career, like in 2011, like four years later, everybody had a smartphone. It was like the most, wow. the strangest and fastest, like, uh, um, technological leap I've ever seen. Uh, and I think honestly, I wouldn't even be, I wouldn't even, I don't even think it's necessarily all that strange to say that it's probably like the biggest technological leap I've ever seen or, or like in even heard of, you know, in such a short period of time. Yeah, it's definitely Star Trek-esque, the, the smartphone is. I mean, the fact that you can just yeah. look up anything instantly is is very Star Trek-esque. I, I watch a lot of, uh, as, a, as a boomer uh, who grew up in the 80s, mm -hmm. I like to go back and watch a lot of 80s movies. Every single one that takes place in the future is in is, is in the past now. It doesn't matter what movie you're yeah, watching. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I... I, I, I I, I stuck on uh, The Running Man recently, which is an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie based on a Stephen King book. Uh, it's it's a horrible, great movie. Uh, 2017. 2017 was when That's that movie took place. Yeah, pretty sure. 2017. Oh. So we are well past The Running Man. <laughs> so crazy. That's so that, it's so funny how how uh, we thought things would go. <laughs> yeah, and they're not Blade even Runner. close. Good Lord. What was the other one? Escape from L.A. or Escape from New York? Maybe both. Might have, I think maybe yeah, Escape I, from I, L.A. and New York were both past both of those. I think Mega Man even like Mega Man took place. I think I couldn't be misremembering this, but I think it was like 2000 X. It was like 200 X 
So like they thought like, oh, 2007 is probably like a, a crazy <laughs> futuristic year. And it's like, <laughs> no, not <Those> really. Specialized <laughs> robots fighting each other. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Well, speaking of gaming, uh, I wanted to get into two things that I find very interesting about your strong opinions in gaming. One, and I'm sure like apologies for um, like big fans of yours who've probably heard you talk about this a million times, but I want to ask you, this is, this is, this is coming from me. I want to know these answers first. Yeah. Uh, Crash, Crash Team Racing, you are obsessed with and, uh, you know, you you say is so much so far superior to Mario Kart. It is. Uh, I, I'm sure that you've thought about this a million times. Can you explain to me? Because I've never even played the Crash Racing game yeah. for some reason. It's, I missed it. In fairness, it's the only good one. Like, uh, like there there were a bunch of other ones. There was like Crash Tag Team Racing, which sucked. Uh, Crash Nitro Kart, which sucked. Crash Team Racing is really like the the one weird, brilliant. It's like Naughty Dog just has this weird, or at least had this weird uh, propensity for just accidentally creating amazing shit that they had no right to be making. Like, they don't make kart racers, but they just decided to. And it's just like, ah, yeah, we'll just do this. They didn't even know what the hell hell they were doing. I think I read an interview that they were like, they were actually trying to kill the series before they left. Uh, So they made like a shitty kart racer and they were like, ah, no one's going to like this. We brought aliens into this. That's so stupid. It's They thought it was like a jump the shark moment and then everybody loved it. Um... But no, it's just it. Crash Team Racing has such a weird focus on speed and like button combos almost where it's like other racing games don't really have the same focus on like gameplay in the same way. I think I think it's like you can liken it a lot to like Super Smash Brothers Melee or like Halo 2 where it's like these are two games that are like brilliant and like super beloved and super competitive because they're so broken. And I think Crash Team Racing is like a very similar thing where it's like there's a reserve system where you just boost three times and you can continuously boost and you can like the whole game is about maintaining that speed without wasting it on like ground travel. Like, cause if you, if you're just driving on normal terrain, your speed goes down and you, your reserves go down. So the whole thing is about just like hopping and like staying in the air and like chaining drifts together. And it's just a lot. It's just so much more satisfying than any other kart racer that I've played because it's so engaging in like the moment to moment. All the, all the tracks are like ridiculous. There's like 90 degree angles in all of them. And it's just like, how are you supposed to make these ridiculous turns? But then you figure it out. And it's like, oh, yeah, there's physics quirks in this game where it's like, I can jump really high and then break in midair and then turn 90 degrees and not lose speed. And it's just it makes no sense, but it's so fun. It's so <laughs> stupid good. And I'm I sure it's say a that in the chat right too. now in uh, in the chat, uh, the feedback here is is not they're not with you. You can they're play it, man. Not. Go play it. Yeah. The Kino Corner says just wrong opinion. And Isaac says Spyro is better than Crash. Uh, as a Yeah, I would, I would say so. I, I actually think the Crash games are fine. Like Crash Team Racing is the best yeah. Crash game, I think, genuinely. Because it's just so much better than... In my opinion, it's just like as a kart racer, it's just so fucking insanely above like most... Maybe Double Dash comes close. But, um, you know, I don't know. I, I remember playing Mario Kart 8 and I was like, this is so fucking slow. Like even at like the highest... CCs and it's just like this is the, this is not nearly do do me a favor and watch people who are really good at play Crash Team Racing play it and then watch people who are good at Mario Kart play it it's like it's a completely different world dude it's so much faster it's so much more insane and you're just looking at it like how are these people doing this like I'm so still fat a- I I got the platinum for that game in in four days which was like a huge bitch but 
I got it. My thumbs were, that was the first time I ever played a video games and I had my thumbs and like fingers blistering and bleeding, like actually. So it's, it's, <laughs> it's not easy, but, um, even I'm looking at some of these people like, I don't know how you did that. I don't even understand. Well, that, that's why I brought it up because I, I remember you being so proud of that on Twitter, that, that platinum trophy. And it reminds me, uh, what you, the way that you're describing it, it sounds like you love the exploits of it. And that reminds me of your recent video about Halo. And that was the other thing I was going to ask you about is like, I'm not a Halo guy. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm really not a first person shooter guy. I, I don't know why. I've never been able to figure out why they don't click for me, but that's fair. Um, I, I really liked how you detailed the differences between the halos and what you don't like about them from a a game play and design standpoint. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like what you liked about the halo series or the earlier installments is similar to what you like about crash team racing, which is kind of giving the player the ability to exploit the environment and like the weapons and all of the different systems in a way where, like you said, you can watch somebody be really good at it and be amazed that they're able to do the things that they can do. Yeah, there are people who are like shooting icicles off of like uh, off of the edges of buildings and like jumping off them and like just doing insane like trick shots. And it's like, I don't even understand like how you would even I'm pretty good at that game. And I still like ah, that's that's beyond me. I'm not even going to approach that. Um, but yeah, I think I think generally speaking in that game specifically, like a lot of people like I got a lot of comments on that video. And it's a video about like enhanced mobility and generally like how like sprinting and like double jumping and dashing kind of like ruins it. I got a lot of people commenting like that, like I just don't like that stuff. But it's like, no, it works really great in like Titanfall. Titanfall 2 is amazing. Like and and arguably only amazing because of those enhanced mobility things. The fact that you can the fact that you can sprint while your weapon is up, the fact that you can like wall run and chain jumps and uh, grapple and like use physics in that way. It's like that's super fun. But that's also kind of how the game was designed in the first place. Like the game was always designed to be fast. So all the AI and all the levels kind of are designed with the spirit of that in mind. And you can add mobility stuff to Titanfall without really breaking the feel of the game because that's really what it was always supposed to be. But like Halo was always like really reserved and always very, you know, you're just a guy. You can jump, you can crouch, you can shoot and you can throw grenades and you can punch. That's it. That's all you can do. So you really had to like look around for ways that you could use the environment against the people that you were fighting. And the second you make everybody like super fast and the second you add like insane movement mechanics, that changes everything because then it's like, okay, well, weapons have to be tuned to to accommodate for the increase in speed. Uh, Maps can't really be the same style of maps because now everybody could just sprint across them in in like half a second. Um, So it just changes the entire identity of the game. Um, So it's not really that I, I hate enhanced mobility i just think like for this specific it'd be like oh hey uh they added uh team deathmatch in crash bandicoot you'd be like what (laughs) you know like i like team deathmatch but like i don't want to see that in a crash bandicoot game it's so stupid it's such a weird choice it's just like you got to go with what fits i think um but i don't know i i I get too deep into this shit i really like game design a lot and i'm like super interested in it because it's just like such a weird uh it's like art and math like combined in like this really weird weird uh genre of thing yeah and um you are you are in a video game how involved how uh how involved are you it's called uh twin breakers and it's it's based off of um you and colin uh colin moriarty you do the sacred symbols podcast together 
What was that process like? It sounds like from what I read, Colin wrote it. Mm-hmm. Did you just record voiceover? Were you involved in any other elements? Are you going to be involved in future elements of games? Because I know that he now has also a stake in the company that yeah. developed it. Yeah, so that was that was a fun thing. He really just had my life. I was like, he was like, oh, I want to make a game with like us. And I was like, yeah, just that's fine. Like he just asked me for the my likeness. I had no part of of Twin Breaker really. I didn't write anything. I didn't have like any like little Easter eggs that I I wrote. I did give like suggestions and I gave like uh um like little nods to things that might be referenced in like I don't know trophies or or like challenges or something like that. But I I really wasn't that involved. Um. Twin Breaker is like a like a Brick Breaker game. It's like an old old school like kind of um, what's what's the, what are the old Brick Breakers called? I, f- I forgot there was one that's like really really popular. But the Breakout was the original. Maybe yeah yeah Breakout. I think Arkanoid I is the one Arkanoid. I always remembered. That's what it was. It's, it's a very Arkanoid style game. It's like you take control. Of like I think uh, the hook is that it's like you you take control of multiple bars at once, and it's like kind of like it gets kind of tricky, but it's 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 kind of fun. I didn't have any part of it really. Um, I, I would love to make a video game, but it's, I don't really, I'm not looking into like retro style stuff. Like I, I really would like to make something that's obviously not triple A because I don't have that money, but, uh, I, I've been working with a friend of mine on some stuff that I think is pretty, pretty fun. Uh, pretty interesting. We'll see if we can even fucking come close to, <laughs> we actually, we worked on, I worked on this thing a long time ago that was like, Hey, you know, it'd be cool if we had like a first person shooter, but like we could like wall run and stuff and we were working for like a really really long time on it like a year and a half and we got like a gray box running where it's like oh yeah you can run on the walls this is cool and then titanfall was announced so we just like we're just like i guess fuck this i guess that's over <laughs> that, was, that was so crushing and i haven't i just haven't tried game development since then because i was so crushed but i think i'm itching what's the rough genre of the thing that that you just alluded to that project like you said you've been thinking about about a game like I know you probably couldn't say a whole lot about what it is, but what can you say? Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to say much about it because I, I quite frankly, I don't know if it's ever really going to happen. You know, it's just it's just me and some other guy, and we're just kind of talking about it. We have some rough ideas planned out, but uh, it's what kind of things interest you in a game, though? Like, what would what makes this like a new idea for you? The well, I, I love arena shooters personally, but I wouldn't want to make one because I think that there are, I think people are kind of coming around to that. There's a new one out called Hyperspace that I hear is like really, really good. I haven't touched it, but um, I heard that that's like pretty big. I think shooters in general are like pretty big now. Uh, and ever since that Titanfall thing happened, I was like, all right, we if we're going to make something, we got to make something that is like, that we think is fun, but also something that we don't think is likely to be done by other people for a long time. <laughs> so we have time to work on it. So I don't want to say what it is or like what the genre is because I don't want I don't want to jinx it. But it's uh, the tone is like generally dark comedy, kind of like medievally. If you ever played medieval um, for PS1, that weird like Tim Burton looking skeleton dude game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got the remake. I haven't popped it in yet though, but, but I got it. Is it is it awesome? Uh, yeah, it's okay. It's fine. Like it's okay. I liked I liked medieval two more than medieval personally. Oh. I know that's not a popular opinion either, but. I think it was just because it was my first one, honestly. Like, I played Medieval 2 first, so I just have more nostalgia for it. But, mm-hmm. I don't know. I just like dark comedy, and I think there's a lot that you could do with uh, that in a in a video game, and that's pretty much all I can really say about that stuff. Well, you're definitely all over the place with your projects, between oh, yeah. YouTube and podcasting. You have two podcasts. You also have the um, Snark Tank <laughs> yeah. podcast, right? God. Um, <laughs> streaming, you do... Um, am I, is there anything I'm missing? It seems like you, 
you're you have your what your your toes and a lot of yeah what, what's it, fingers in a lot of pots what's the phrase you ha- there I'm you have for. your fingers in a lot of pies is that right <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it. i love that phrase yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. How are you juggling it all? And like, what are your thoughts on the different platforms and what's working, what's oh, yeah. not working? I don't you know, know like, I don't know, man. I think overall, um, I think. Uh, well, how am I juggling it all? I'm, I'm very poorly. <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, I'm slowly going mentally insane. But I don't know. I just I can't. I don't like not keeping busy. I don't like not working. Um, that's like a that's my dad's stupid brain transmitted onto me because like every, t- every time I go, I'll go home to New York, he'll be like on the roof being like, I'm replacing the roof again. And I'm like, just relax, dad. You don't have to do that. And then I come home and I don't, I don't stop working. So it's like total, total hypocrite. But I don't know, like, um, podcasting was something I was sort of dragged into almost like, cause, cause Colin was like, Hey, you want to do the show? And I was like, well, I'm not going to say no to this. <laughs> you know, Colin, Colin Moriarty is asking me to do a PlayStation podcast. It's probably going to be pretty good. So I did it and it, and it Honestly, this is the real truth. When when he asked me to do Sacred Symbols, I thought, "Oh, this is this is gonna fail because I suck," <laughs> you know. So I uh, so I could say yes, and then it'll fail, and then it'll be like, "Ah, we tried," you know, whatever. But uh, mm-hmm. and I wouldn't have to deal with it. But it's like, oh yeah, this is actually pretty good, and it's working out. And then that just sort of gave me a framework with how to continue with the Snark Tank, which is like a thing I did a long time ago, kind of intermittently, like one episode every couple months. Like whenever I, it was basically like whenever we felt like putting on an episode, we would do it. Or whenever we had a uh, a friend of ours who wanted to be on, we would just be like, "Hey, let's let's record something real quick." It was it was in the same way that I think Psychic Pebbles did Schmucks, where it was mm-hmm. just sort of like whenever the hell, yeah. whenever the hell we wanted. Um, but doing Sacred Symbols was like, oh, I, I think I kind of get how to structure this for like a weekly kind of thing. And then we we started going weekly. I think ooh, like fifteen weeks ago or something like that. It's been it's been a while that we've been doing mm-hmm. it, and that's been pretty fun juggling. All of this stuff is kind of tricky, but like I, I get writer's block a lot. So sometimes I'll just be like, I'll be trying to make a video for the channel. I'll be like, my brain's not in this. Um, so I'll try something else, right? I'll be like, oh, maybe I'll write like music or something, or maybe I'll work on planning out this game a little bit more. And eventually one of those things that I try, I'll, I won't have a, a roadblock on and they'll make progress on. And then I'll hit another roadblock on that. And then I'll be like, okay, well, what can I move to now? Just like a way to just have something that I can creatively work on all the time without having to worry about writer's block is really the big thing. You know, I, I can't sit still with that stuff. It sounds to me like lily pads in a pond and you're jumping from lily pad to lily pad. And once once one lily pad <laughs> doesn't seem to be going anywhere, you, you hop over to something else. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I Yeah, I, all right. <laughs> it's a nice little poetic. That sounds, that sounds like an Atari 2600 game. Yeah, it probably is. Like, I think it is actually. Uh, Frogger. <laughs> Basically Frogger. Yeah. No, that's a good way to go uh, to to have a, a workflow though, because if you have this one thing, and even if you've got deadlines on it and a regular schedule, uh, when you can hit all the deadlines and make all the progress you need to, you don't always feel good about it because you know that you had to make some sacrifice because yeah, you hit some kind of wall and you had to go around it or over it or through it or whatever, and it, it doesn't feel good at all. So what you described sounds on the surface as being a little bit hectic oh yeah but at the same time it seems like it removes a lot of that bad feeling it's definitely hectic but like i i, I think it it works kind of well because i you know i i'm a pretty anxious person generally speaking so like if i can't get if i can't make progress on something it stresses me the fuck out like i'll be mm-hmm. if i didn't have other shit to work on this is like a while ago um 
you know, I would be working on a video and then I, I wouldn't make progress on the video. And I would be sitting there being like, why can't I make progress on this video? And I would be just thinking myself to death. I'd be like, oh my God, this sucks. And I would just like stew in this like kind of negative um, um, kind of fog for like a, a while. And it was, it just didn't help me at all. It was just like useless. So I was like, okay, well I need, I need to be able to like, if I know that I'm hitting a block, I need to be able to like move on to something else so that I don't have to feel this stupid wave of um, anxiety that is normally, that would, no, that would otherwise be like very, very crippling. Um, and as weird as it, as, as more anxiety inducing as all of this stuff sounds, it actually does kind of help compartmentalize and just sort of distract almost from all the other shit. But there's obviously deadlines and stuff that I have to hit for like sponsored videos. And it's like, ah, man, you know, I could have I could have made this a little better. But like, you know, that's, you know, something's got to be eventually something's got to finish. You know, if I'm the kind of person where it's like if I'm if I had an eternity to work on a video, I, I would make one video, you know, you know, it would never see the light of day. It, maybe maybe it would come out when I died. <laughs> you know, and I could stop <laughs> adding stuff to it. But so deadlines are, are good in, in some respect. Well, what is your process for your YouTube videos? Because they seem pretty random in a mm -hmm. way i mean you yeah. have, you've done music you have i mean you do have your glasses off series which is kind of more uh like criticism of something that you want to talk on um but but overall is it just something needs to kind of hit you a certain way and you feel like you have to make a video about it or what because a lot of it's very topical obviously yeah yeah and some of it isn't but like i think um generally speaking i, I don't like I don't like making things because I have to make them, you know, like, uh, I, I noticed like there's a lot of channels that I used to watch a lot that got really tiring because it felt like they saw something and they didn't really have much to say, but they knew that, you know, they had to get something out about it just because it's mm -hmm. a, it's a, it's a topic that's being talked about a lot. And I got that feeling and I was like, Oh, I don't like that feeling. And I never really wanted to inspire that feeling in other people. So for me, it's like, if I find something that I think is that I think I can make funny, uh, if I have something that I think I can say in a unique way, if I have something that maybe adds to the conversation in some way, then I'll then I'll make a video. But for the most part, like there's a lot of shit that I probably could have made videos on that I just didn't because I was just like, ah, there's no there's no real point because everything everything that I could have said about this has already been said, or um, I couldn't really think of any anything to any comedic twists to make anything funny. Um, the Halo video is not funny at all, really. You know, it's, it's, that's just like a whole, that's a video that I've had stewing in my brain for like years, but I was always like, <laughs> at the time, so Halo is usually on like three year release schedules, right? So it's like, you know, 2007, 2010, uh, and then like it, it follows from that. And I remember 2015 was the last one. And when I was thinking about this video, it was like 2017 or 2018. So I was like, I'm not going to make this video. They're already done with the fucking thing, you know? And then two years pass and it's still not out. And it's like, oh yeah, it's a five de year dev cycle. And it's like, oh, what the fuck? I could have made, I could have made this video and probably had some impact on development. Whoops, idiot. Um, but I don't know. There's really no rhyme or I, I feel like my channel has just become this thing that I, I treat as like this, this thing that I add to whenever I feel like I, I just want to do something. I don't really care if it fits into like a, a particular format. There are some formats like glasses off and Reagan recap that I, you know, um, I may, or, I may or may not continue. Some assholes doing fucking donuts outside my outside my apartment. Oh my god! But uh, it's a, it's anarchy over here. But yeah, I, they got to get out of the house because of COVID. Yeah, honestly, <laughs> breathing all the toxic rubber. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. It's it's just sort of whatever I want. I I, I liken it a little bit to um, moist uh, moist critical. 
who just sort of oh uh, yeah 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 at this point where it's like i used to be a little bit more political focused but i think now i just sort of i've reached a point where i could just sort of make whatever um the fact that the halo video did even as close to as well as it did kind of confused the shit out of me i was like what um and apparently the studio has seen it so that's uh yeah that's cool that's really cool (laughs) i hope i wasn't too harsh but yeah I want to ask about the shift away from the political focus. Like first, how did it become a focus? How did that develop? Yeah, I don't, I don't really know. I I think it started because I just felt like shit was kind of getting off the rails and I was like, Hey, what's, what's going on exactly? (laughs) And then people were like needlessly kind of, um, I'll tell you the reason why it started. Like I, because I've been on YouTube for a really long time. Like I've, I've been on YouTube since 2007. Like I, I wasn't really taking it seriously for all that time, but I was on it and I was like, you know, making just garbage for my friends and I, and or just like using it as like a portfolio to just upload random video projects that I I couldn't store anywhere else because Google Drive wasn't a thing yet. Um, <laughs> and I remember seeing this this post on Facebook that was like it was it was just some stereotypical kind of like um. It, it was like a it was like a feminist post, but it was like one of the cringy ones, like you know one of the one of the like really like oh my god, this is like way off the way off the deep end. And I remember like commenting something back then, uh, I think in like 2014. I just remember commenting on this Facebook thread, this public Facebook thread, being like, yeah, you know, I, I you know, I I believe in all this stuff, but also I just I feel like the label is kind of stupid uh, because I feel like any common sense person would agree with a lot of this, you know. And I remember just like even just that mundane of a comment had people like messaging me and like sending like a torrent of people after me. And like there were people who called my job who tried to get me fired because of that, because of like the, the most mundane conversation. I, could, I, I it was no there's a lot of that going around on the Internet. It was, it was insane. <laughs> and, and the only reason I, I was OK with it almost is because like, you know, they found my job through Facebook and I hadn't updated my employment history in a while. So they just called my ex job. And like one of the employees called me, it was like, Hey, there are people calling about you. Like, what the, what'd you do? And I was like, what? <laughs> I was like a kid basically. And I had no idea what the hell was going on. Um, and I remember seeing that backlash and I was thinking like, this is fucking insane. So I just started making videos about it and you know, people liked it and people thought it was fun and people thought it was funny. Uh, and I just sort of ran with it because I had fun doing it. And then after a while, it just sort of got to the point where it's like, yeah, I'm just out of things to say. Like I've said these things a million times. You don't need, uh, you don't need me uh, confirming your bias every every day for like six years. Like you just don't need that. If you ha- if you want my opinion on something, chances are I have a video that I can link you to. You know, um, I don't need to use like a new like oh hey here's the latest SJW cringe compilation and here's why ah uh, you know it's like we get it we all get it like I feel like even towards the beginning of 2017 people were people were getting it you know like people were like ah oh, these people are kind of crazy you know um, so I just it just it fell off for me just because I didn't, uh, I didn't think it was really necessary or interesting anymore. And also I just felt like a lot of people in that sphere were getting too didactic and they were getting too serious and they were getting too self-absorbed. And I just felt like this is not why I did this. Um, I was in this specifically because we were just taking the piss out of things. Like it was just sort of fun to laugh about and it was fun to just sort of poke fun at all this stuff. But, you know, I never once thought that, you know, some chunky girl, in a in a school auditorium screeching at you know some speaker was like a culture war like i never thought it was like this like uh serious thing it just always occurred to me as like oh this is kind of funny isn't it but then people just sort of ran with it like no this is like the next frontier this is this is free speech or die and it's like what's happening <laughs> what's going on this is way more self-serious than i 
uh, wanted it to be, uh, I'm outie. Um, and so I just started doing stuff on video games and like whatever the hell I wanted. And it's like been a lot more fun, I think. The mood definitely changed around that time, though. Like you're talking about 2017 being uh, for a, a host of different reasons, mm-hmm. just a shift in in the tone of those kinds of videos. And I, I look back and, and think like, oh, you know, you and a bunch of other people kind of walked so the hardcores could run, you know, yeah, basically. do you? Yeah. And, and most of the people who were around then and doing that type of content alongside you, they, they aren't really around anymore in the same capacity. And the ones who are still doing it, uh, you know, they, they aren't on the tip of your tongue no. in a way where back in that day, you could name, you could name like 10 people who were doing what you were doing because they were present. Uh, they were out there, they were, uh, supporting each other. And it was just kind of this, uh, this kind of, you know, I, I don't mean it in a pejorative way, but like a gang of like-minded people, you, you know, it definitely, and now it definitely, when it de- somebody asks me who does that, I don't even know who to name. Yeah, it definitely is. It definitely was like a community at the time uh, on some level. Yeah. I, I, didn't, I never really considered myself part of it, even though like I, I think objectively speaking, I was um, I just never liked the idea of communities. I was I always found them to be kind of inherently creepy, um, <laughs> especially <laughs> especially online, because like the, the only online communities that like when I think of an online community, I think of like, oh, furries, <laughs> you know, that's the first thing I think of. So it's like, I don't necessarily want to be in like a, an online community, really. But, you know, it was definitely <laughs> like me, um, Shiwan Head, uh, uh, you know, Armored Skeptic. I think back in the day, it was like even even bigger people like, you know, Sargon was like huge back in the day. But then I think a lot of people just sort of, um, you know, when you do the same thing over and over again, um, you're preaching to the choir. And that's like, I don't know, I guess that's fine, but I just can't imagine making the same videos that I made in 2016 today. Not, not because I think they would like, not because I think they've aged poorly, but just because like, I've already done this, you know, like, I just don't know what else there is to say. Like you can beat the, it just feels like beating a dead horse, you know, and, and it's just not creatively interesting. And I think a lot of creative types moved on to other things and a lot of like business oriented people kind of stayed with the with the general kind of format. It's like this format works. Um, I'm going to milk it as much as I can. And like, for me, I just never felt comfortable doing that because that's not why I did YouTube in the first place. Um, it's not what I value in content really. And uh, I don't know, there's just, there's a bunch of great content now that has nothing to do with any of that. And like, why would you want to limit yourself to just one? I don't know. It's just weird. It's just weird to me. That's something that pops up with a lot of creators though. Not just, not just political, uh, you know, focused things, mm-hmm. but in in most channels, and this is something on Vsauce too that's popped up, where uh, there there are themes into the work, mm-hmm. right? And I know that uh, Kevin, you know, you've talked about a lot of different videos, and we'll think uh, like, oh, we we've kind of hit the interesting thing about this aspect of probability, or yeah. uh, you know, it, there are these themes that come through, and it's the same with with the political things, mm-hmm. where you know. Really, I mean, I know uh, everybody discussing political things online is is a massive mess. But if you really distill it down, there are only a handful uh, a handful of big concepts that result in whatever the opinion is. Like there's a, a fairly limited set of values and a fairly defined mindset that leads to those conclusions. And I, I really like the way you described in a way saying, well, I said everything I had to say. I mean, you, you seem to have applied those 
those values to like every reasonable end. And then, uh, what do you do? And, you know, you wanted to pull the plug. And I think that's completely valid. Uh, if you've kind of explored it, you could keep doing it and then finding those old values in whatever new thing hits, like that's fine too. And then people, uh, some of the people you, you listed continue to do that and have successful, you know, accounts and channels and all that. Uh, but is that the best use of your creative time? Uh, I don't know. Like I I just, yeah, it's, I just don't, I never wanted to be like a political commentator. I never wanted to be like some, I never wanted to be like, you got to listen to this guy. He's got, he's got a good head on his shoulders. You know what I mean? Like I never wanted to be that guy that people recommend to people for political insight, because quite frankly, I just, I don't have everything that I've ever said is just, is just basic. I feel like generalized common sense, you know, where it's like, just hey, just don't take yourself too seriously. Calm down, you know. Don't don't go crazy. I, I I never like even when I look at some of my older videos that you know are a little bit more edgy. Like I I don't even really think they were really even close to being like over the top in any real uh political way. Like I, I definitely focused more on just like the the jokes and the editing and just sort of fucking around with the the persona and just fucking around with like uh, my roommates. And as long as that foundation is still there, I feel like I could just do whatever, you know, like, cause that's, I think what people come for. I, I'm sure it's not what everybody came for, but like, you know, I'm not, I'm, I certainly don't want to be the person who's doing stuff because I have to do it because I think that translates. And I think people can feel that. I think people know when people are doing things because they feel like they have to. And I, I think that, um, if the person who's making the content isn't having fun, then, then the audience is probably not going to be having fun. Um, how did your audience respond when you shifted away from a lot of those political things? Uh, what, what happened with, I, I, I want to say community just because yeah. I, I just, I just want to throw you into your own community, <laughs> but no, like, you, you know, they signed up for a certain thing and then that thing stopped. Uh, was there any pushback on that? Uh, did it affect really oh, yeah. anything? For yeah. You? There, there were some people who were like, uh, you know, ah, oh, this isn't, uh, you know, um, there, there were some people who, uh, you're an SJW now or whatever the fuck. And it's like, yeah, okay, whatever. Uh, <laughs> that's fine, I guess. Um, or just like, you know, there are some people, I don't think most people, um, I lost like a couple subscribers. It wasn't really that big of a deal. Like I, I've actually started ever since the Halo video posted, I've actually been gaining, which is like hilarious. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Like it, it makes sense. Like I get it. Like there's definitely some channels that I stopped watching because they stopped doing what I, what I w- watched them for. Um, so it's not like I don't understand that it makes perfect sense, but at the same time, it's like, I don't know if I, if, if that channel kept doing that thing and you could just tell that they were miserable and they were just like phoning it in, it's like, <laughs> that would be so much worse than going out on like a high note, you know? Um, so to me, it's like, I, I just didn't really care because I, I value the audience a lot and I, I care about what they have to say. And I like, I take their opinions into account and I like, you know, if they, if they have criticisms that I'll listen to them. But at the same time, it's like, I, I am from like the old school YouTube crowd where it's like, I'm, I'm really just making this shit because I think it's fun to make. And I, 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 I think it's cool. Um, it's cool and it's nice that other people like it. Um, but I could have, I could lose like 600,000 subscribers today, you know? And I, I think I'd be, I'd be fine with that. Like genuinely, like I just don't, in fact, it'd be nicer because then all my videos would look really impressive by comparison. (laughs) because <laughs> I'd have like a hundred thousand subscribers and then have all these like videos at like a million. It's like, yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. It's a, it's a tricky thing to navigate. And I guess not everybody is, is thinking about it in the same way. I, I I'm sure most people are, most people in that, in that political sphere are like more business oriented people because you know, that's just, 
that's just the nature of that entire thing. It's like if you're a political commentator, you're certainly not doing it for like the creativity, you know, that's not something that you're really <laughs> thinking of. So, you know, it makes sense for those people to keep doing it because, you know, that's they're they're not in it for the same reasons that I'm in it for. And that's, you know, that's valid and that's fine. And I think some people have maybe jumped the shark a little bit, but, you know, well, <laughs> people are free that's to jump however to, many to, sharks they want. I wanted to ask you exactly that is, is do you think that for some, if they continue to crank out the same thing over and over again, regardless of, of what the topic is, it doesn't have to be political or not, but do you think that, that it comes across as disingenuous at some point? I think at some point it, it, it does. I know, that, I know in my opinion it does, and that's why I, I wanted to stop doing it, uh, is because I just didn't, I didn't want to get that across, and it's what I was feeling from a lot of things that I was seeing, so like, I, I didn't want to replicate that feeling in other people. Um, I mean, it's just like I said, like, I, I just don't know how many times you can make the same point. And it's, like, it's, it's one thing to like, tweet about things. It's one thing to like, you know, have, a, have a consistent viewpoint, but like, does every little thing really need a whole like 10 minute diatribe like i just i just don't know if that's the case it reminds me a lot of like just drama communities in general where it's like oh you know i justine and whoever broke up and it's like there's like 80 essays on it and it's like (laughs) is this really (laughs) necessary by any means like is this creatively fulfilling to to people like i i just don't um (laughs) it's it's a confusing landscape youtube in general Especially just because I, how, how I want to, I want to ask you something about that, about the the kind of commentary drama beating a dead horse kind of issue, and and I was thinking uh, at the beginning of this, at the beginning of this podcast, I'm like, oh, you know, Ke- Kevin's job is is uh, to talk to you about about gaming stuff. Which by by the way, the last racing game I played was RC Pro Am on NES. I love that game. <laughs> I played that game. Uh, so <laughs> it was really it good. good. It's excellent. I remember renting it from the video store and, you know, playing it Friday through Sunday and, and just feeling terrible when I had to drop it back. Um, but yeah, I was like, yeah, no, I should, I, I guess my role should be uh, making Chris like regret coming on the podcast. <laughs> um, in stark contrast to, <laughs> to Kevin's demeanor. Uh, but no, I mean, there was a thing the other day where you kind of touched on this on Twitter, uh, where, uh, with, with kind of perpetual criticism of Bunty King. Oh yeah. And that, that was an interesting specific example of, of what you're talking about. And I wanted to hear, I kind of wanted to hear what, why you kind of made the statement that you that you did and brought that issue out? Oh, I just I didn't think much of it. I just I just saw like a, a friend of mine who I get like his his pissed people off or whatever. But like you know he's a friend of mine. I stick by my friends uh, unless they're like rapists or pedophiles or something. Um, can you describe Can you describe the like why why Bunty was a topic for those people? No, because I I, I want you to do it in your words rather than. So I I think saying. he made a video like a long time ago about like being cheated on or something and like how he was like he yeah. felt like really bad about it and how he was like oh you know and we still cared about the person or something like that i think about 2017 that was, that was a while yeah. ago yeah and then people were just like uh just just basically calling him like the, the, the cuck meme it was just basically the cuck meme for like for years and it's like well and it's to like, be whatever. fair he, he did title the video he title he titled the video, the video he, i'm a cuck he, he, <laughs> he is one of those people who'll just do that shit he doesn't he's i love but he's a psycho but he um yeah, so he did title it and it was just like it was a bit of a meme for a while. It was just like, yeah, whatever. People are people are whatever. They're gonna hire upon it. But I guess I don't know. He had fallings out with falling outs with people. It's I don't I don't give I don't care. I, I you know, 
it, it's getting to the point where it's like people have told me like, oh, you shouldn't be friends with this person or you shouldn't be friends with this person. It's like if I listened to like all those people, like I would have I, I would have missed out on some of the most fulfilling like friendships and like relationships that I've ever had. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember when Lacey, Lacey Green and I were dating and like everybody was like, you shouldn't be. Oh, what the fuck is this? You know, it's just like, are you insane? <laughs> are you crazy? Like, I don't know. But yeah, because at the time, too, that's really interesting, because at the time I, I remember asking you about this at, at VidCon last year. Um, where it it just on the, on the surface, like to the outside world, that seemed like such an improbable matchup Mm -hmm. that I I think, yeah, I can understand that, that people are like, wow, how, how, how can this square with any of your values? (laughs) And it was so odd to me because it's like people sincerely don't realize that you could, uh, you know, be happy for anywhere from six minutes to six lifetimes with somebody who just looks at the world a different way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I always had that value because like my parents are diametrically opposed, you know, like the, my, my mom's, oh, okay. my mom's a, a liberal. My dad's like a staunch conservative and uh, they're still together and they get along and they're, they're, they're hilarious. And, um, you know, I just think uh, I never had the, I never had the mindset of like, Oh, I can't be with somebody who's like politically like different from me. I, I'm sure there are some issues where it's like, I'm sure there's like a line, obviously, like, I'm not going to be like, if I take a girl home and, and she's like, oh, yeah, you know, the KKK was, wasn't that bad. It's like, okay, well, ah, you know, maybe, maybe we should see other, <laughs> other people. When she comes into the bedroom wearing a sexy clan robe, it's probably, it's, you know, and I'll, time to rethink things. Yeah, and it's, and it's an authentic <laughs> one, too. Um, yeah, that, that's there are definitely some lines that I, I have, but like, I feel like a lot of people's lines are so hilariously shallow. Um, to the fact that like it was such a big deal that when we got together, the people were like threatening us, and it was just like a whole fucking deal. It was like insane. Um, and isn't that a strange thing? Because we just talked to Carson about about uh, relationships and uh, high profile relationships too, and he could, he has a, a pretty unique perspective on that after uh, how the first half of his twenty twenty yeah. went. Um, you know, and that was that was really interesting. But yeah, you actually had one of those, and and. And it not only was, uh, you know, a, a too high profile people thing, but having that split, you know, this is nobody's going to get this. And I'm so sorry in advance. But the guy who ran Bill Clinton's presidential campaign in 1992, uh, James Carville, uh, the, the raging Cajun for all of the you 91 year olds out there who remember this, uh, he was a really fiery Southern guy. Uh, who was kind of a political genius and his his wife was a, a consultant for uh, uh, the Republicans and it was the, you know the, the same kind of thing where it's like how can this relationship function where you've got these two uh, very kind of brash loud aggressive people who are advocating for warring camps like how can this work mm-hmm. and it it can work for some people, can't it? Yeah, I, I think that was my first inkling that maybe the reaction to that maybe was the first time that I thought like, okay, well, maybe maybe people are taking this a little bit more seriously than than I am, you know? Because like up until then, I was just sort of having fun and it wasn't really paying attention to like how people were like interpreting my content or or uh, using it in, in whatever ways they wanted or like just the amount of care that went into it was was a lot more than I than I bargained for. And then I thought, and that, that, that reaction to that relationship was really the thing. It was like, okay, maybe I, I think, uh, I think I'm good on the politics stuff. I want to, I want to stay as far away from this as possible. Cause it's really weird being in a relationship. That's like, I, I think if I remember correctly, 
this like our story was like on the New York Times website. And it's like, what is going on? This is insane. This is like I there's no reason I, I I'm sure like some Yemeni village was being bombed that day. And for some reason, our like relationship was on the New York Times website. And it's like, this is a lot, man. Um, and uh, it's a weird. The world is melting and it's like, yeah, but have you heard about Chris and Lacey? Dude, it's so weird. <laughs> I, I don't know. If, it's such a, I hate like talking about this because it's not necessarily that it makes me uncomfortable, but it's like, it's so, it feels so inside baseball because I know so few people really kind of get this kind of thing but like it's really weird when hundreds of thousands of people have an opinion about your relationship like that's a weird Mm -hmm. existence to 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 walk especially when you're not like you know you're not like dicaprio (laughs) you're not like you're not like in tarantino movies you're not like going to be like mentioned in in like the annals of history or, or like or anything like that you're just the dude who makes videos on the internet and now like hundreds of hundreds of thousands of people have a very strong opinion about who you're allowed to talk to, who you're allowed to be friends with, who you're allowed to uh, converse with, who you're allowed to uh, have have uh, uh, relationships with. It's very, it's psychologically really weird. Like, I don't, I don't think anything really prepares you for that amount of attention, really. Um, I think it's why a lot of famous people are crazy. <laughs> but... <laughs> Um, Did it affect how how you have proceeded and and kind of will proceed? Like, would you deliberately avoid a, a situation like that where it's possible that for whatever reason, any kind of personal relationship will get that kind of attention? Ideally, I I wouldn't want that again. Um. Uh. And by the way, it's not like some slight. Again, I still talk to Lacey constantly. Like, we're not together anymore, but like, she's a great friend of mine, and I love her very dearly. But that that whole experience was just like a lot more than I anticipated. And um, I definitely like in the future would, would hope not to be in a situation like that again. Obviously like I, I wouldn't say no if, if like a, a situation arose that was like, you know, that I thought was, was good and had that as like a side thing, but like, okay, this is going to be another public thing. Are you ready? It's like, all right, well, here we go. But at least I've been through it already. So I kind of know how to handle it. I, I kind of know, I, I know the, the, the ropes of that entire the entire process now. That's interesting because Kevin, if you am I right in remembering this that that Carson seemed like he he thought you know like I really don't want to do this again. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. He flat flat out said that no, no, no. He would avoid it, you know, at all costs. But when when you were talking about how you kind of uh, are allowed to date people or aren't allowed to date people or whatever. It just, it it makes me wonder about how we kind of flatten people on the internet. Mm -hmm. Like we flatten them into two dimensional characters that we can sort and organize into little buckets. And if anybody gets out of their bucket, people rage Uh, where, where, and the reason I've talked about this a little bit before in previous podcasts, but I've noticed that there are plenty of people who I know in real life who are very different from how they almost come across online. Yeah. It's weird to me how, you know, whether you're making a YouTube video or you're doing tweets or you're just posting on Facebook and you don't have to be a creator. You don't have to be somebody with a big following. It can be like your aunt or your uncle, but it's really weird to me. And I think not a good thing. And I'm wondering both of your perspectives on this how the internet and the way that we communicate on the internet seems really unnatural from how we communicate in person. Like if I am hanging out with, 
you know, my uncle Paul or whatever, at no point are we going to, is he going to start ranting about like the Fed? Like that won't happen, (laughs) right? Like we'll just talk about, (laughs) we'll just talk about like what we're having for dinner at this picnic or whatever and have a great time. But then on the internet, it's like, well, here's his rant about how, you know, taxes should work. <laughs> and, and and it becomes this very odd, almost adversarial relationship with everyone on everything. Yeah. It, it, I think it's because the internet is inherently compartmentalized. And so like, we kind of like go into each facet of it with our own compartmentalizations. Like I, like my Twitter is like, I think really, really snarky and really kind of almost, uh, occasionally mean-spirited <laughs> and <laughs> i think most people who have met me in person would would probably attest that i'm i'm, pr- I'm a pretty docile like i'm just like i just hang out and like hey what's up i'm ve- I, i'm a very laid-back person and i don't really i don't strike up arguments for the sake of it you know and i think most people are the same way i feel like most people when they when they're in a room with other human beings because that's naturally how people are supposed to exist um they're just inherently more empathetic and they're inherently more understanding and they're inherently less aggressive. But like the second you reduce somebody to like a profile picture and like a, a, a code or like an at, um, it's a lot easier to just sort of um, lay into people. It's a lot easier to just sort of um, compartmentalize. Uh, compartmentalize what the, I can't speak for some fucking reason. Um, the way that you act on those platforms. Like I think a lot of people are complete assholes on Twitter. I had a dude... At, that I met at VidCon, who was like a really chill guy, harassed me for years on Twitter, like months, like just constantly. Every tweet I had, he had something to say about it and like how fucking terrible I am. And then we met in person. And he was like, and I was like, hey, how's your VidCon going? He's like, yeah, man, it's pretty good. And we were just hanging out. It was just totally chill. And it was like, <laughs> after that, that didn't happen again. You know, it, mm-hmm. it, we, I never got a single or maybe not that I'm aware of, but like it certainly wasn't as, as intense uh, or it certainly wasn't as like unyielding or or just like all this all, all the shit that we do on the internet is like really really kind of concerning i know that sounds kind of boomery or like really old but i even feel it now like there are things that like i can't spell certain words anymore because i know that i could just google them you know because I, I know that i don't have, i don't have <laughs> autocorrect is going to help you out exactly yeah. like i don't have to i don't have to remember shit i don't commit as much to memory because i just know that i could just google it so like and i know that it's like a psychological thing it's like oh my god that's so bad that's so terrible. But at the same time, it's like, how do you even undo that? Um, I don't know. There's a lot of, the internet's really concerning in a lot, in a lot of different ways. But I think the way that it inter- interferes with the way that we, we talk to one another is definitely like a, a huge, a huge thing that's probably going to just get worse. I do think as you were describing that, I was thinking of a situation that I had about 20, 20 years ago where I was studying with a guy who was very connected in uh, the literary community mostly. And, you know, when, when somebody's high profile like that, they're going to know people in other disciplines too. Yeah. But what it came down to was we would read a thing uh, by, you know, could be anybody. And, and if he knew them, he would talk about them. And this came up all the time. It was really similar to what Kevin described about seeing uncle Paul's fed rant on Facebook and then hanging out with him. And it felt like, Publishing at that time, and I it, well, I'm sure it's it's still like this. But publishing anything isolates your thoughts as as its kind of own little being, yeah. and that's a different thing than the person as a whole. 
And if it's a tweet or a YouTube video or something, you're getting this narrow, isolated thought or comedy skit or just whatever the video's on. Mm -hmm. Uh, and that's just not the person. And I, I do feel like we're going to be talking about this stuff in the near future because it, it's coming up a lot lately. Like what's the difference between somebody's channel and who they are and, and who they want to be. And Carson talked about having how he's using uh, a second account on Twitter to just show a kind of different side of who he is. Um, you know, there's there's a big difference between the in-person stuff and uh, a book or a podcast. Uh, you know, uh, Kevin is is slightly different, not not much though, but slightly different offline than uh, you know on this podcast. I know I am, so it's definitely it's definitely a thing. But I wonder how different that is. I think the difference is that twenty years ago. Only a handful of people were writing articles and publishing books and isolating their thoughts to put out. Now it's absolutely everybody. Mm -hmm. It's anybody with a Twitter account and a Facebook yeah. account. And, 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 you know, and that's, that's the real difference. And some people are better at playing that and handling it and using it appropriately than others. Yeah. I mean, it's also just, you know, when you're doing entertainment, it's like you're not going to, you know, Dave Chappelle isn't the Dave Chappelle that he is on stage when he's off stage, you know, like when he's just hanging out and like eating like a, I don't know, like a fucking Salisbury steak, you know, he's, he's not, he's not being, the, he's not being like the funniest human being on the planet. Like, that's not like a, I, I just feel like inherently, like when you're making entertainment, you're, you're inherently putting on some kind of act, you know, because people aren't inherently entertaining. There's like very few people who are like, who have that skill um, or have that personality. So like yeah, my my channel whenever I'm whenever I'm doing like a, a a comedy focused video, that's not really me. It's just like hey, you know, this is entertaining, and I know that this is fun, and I'm having fun doing this. So like, why the fuck not do this? Um, I think glasses off are a little bit more. Um, that was the way that I tried to mitigate it, where it's like here's the here's recaps and here's like normal videos where it's like okay, here's the ridiculous persona and like the insane editing and like the the stupid voice, <laughs> the alpaca, yeah. <laughs> And the, or the llama, and, and literally, like the voice isn't even like because I have like I I put on like a voice a lot of the time because and literally it's literally just because it sounds better on the mic than my normal voice because my normal voice has a little a little bit more bass and it like fucks the uh it, it just completely screws with the way that my mic picks things up in a video format specifically so like I have to raise it a little bit whenever I'm doing stuff it's like oh hey Jeffrey Epstein's dead again wow and it's like it just sounds a little bit better like through most speakers to me but. There are little things like that, like even just like technical decisions that inform like a personality that you see on the internet that people don't really take into account because like nobody, I don't talk like that. <laughs> you don't, you don't talk to your dad like that. Hey, dad, you're fixing the roof again. Wow, dad, you stupid <laughs> imp. Get the fuck down. No, it's it's literally just a, an audio decision because I just think it sounds better aesthetic, like uh, aesthetically. I guess like auditorily is that the word? Like I'm I'm thinking of visual aesthetics. Or, or uh, auditory aesthetics, but like or, whatever. Yeah. Um, and just like little things like that, where it's like that's a part of a persona that exists purely for a technical reason that people might think is like a real person, and it's like it, it's kind of weird. And that's why the, I wanted to do the glasses off, where it's like, okay, this is just me now. Like this is just I'm just talking. This is my how I feel about this. No crazy um editing and like, and I've experimented with all these formats, but you know, I think no one's gonna want to sit and watch no one wants to watch somebody just be themselves really 
<laughs> like, no, I, I really don't. I don't want to see Robin Williams be himself, you know, because he's he's probably just chill. That's great when you're like with the person. But like, I don't want to watch a movie about these people just existing. You know, I want to see them do what they <laughs> do, what they do well. I want to see them do what, what they're supposed to be doing. And um, maybe that's weird. But uh, I don't know. I just think I, I think it makes sense. Do you think it's bad advice then when people are talking about things like things like writing? It's like write about what you know and, uh, you know, you want to make a channel like just be yourself. Do you think that's bad advice in a way? In a way, yeah, I, I think be yourself is is always one of those things because like, are you going to tell Hitler to be himself, you know? But like, <laughs> I, I think be yourself is generally like it's good advice in the sense that you you do need to focus on what you want to do. Because otherwise, like if I started doing content that like I didn't want to do, but then like was was thrusted into doing, I would be miserable, you know, because I would have to be making content that I hated. So like it, it is good advice to just generally like focus on what you want to do, focus on the things that interest you and do it in a way that you think is interesting. But it also has to be entertaining through your subjective opinion. Like you have to find what you're doing interesting or entertaining it, it can't be like oh i'm just going to do you know if i wanted to write like an essay on something and like make a video essay i could write it out and i could i could finish it and i would i, I could record it and do all the all the things that i needed to do um and maybe i got my point across maybe but ultimately i have to also watch it as if i'm somebody else um because that's what you're doing you're making stuff for other people it might still be for you um but you know, be yourself is, is, is weird advice because I don't think it's entirely useless because I do think it informs on what success can be. It informs on what you can do to really maximize on that success. But, you know, generally speaking, you're going to have to tweak things. You're going to have to improve on certain things. Uh, and you're always going to be learning and, and changing anyway, you know? So who's yourself now versus yourself like five years into doing it? It's still yourself, but it's still reacting to, ch to criticism and reacting to change and reacting to stylistic influences and, all sorts of other things. Yeah, I had this problem when I first started doing Mind Blow episodes on Vsauce because my my standard energy level is like a a, a two out of ten. <laughs> that probably. can work though. I think that's <laughs> that, can, that that can work because critical is the same. Critical, it, critical yeah, is very work, critical but... is very monotone. He has like very little inflection, and it works. Um, you know, so. It wor It wasn't working for me though, so I had to crank it up, and and so now I'm like just doing a 10 for the video. Uh -huh. But I, I've always felt like since then, if I meet people in, in, in person at VidCon or whatever, that they, at least in the back of their mind, they're probably like, this guy, is he high? Like, why is he so? And it's like, no, I'm not. I, this is just how I am normally. And how you see me on uh, camera is crazy. I love that stuff though. I, I love going to VidCon and like meeting people. Cause it's like, I do have to put the act on again, but it, but it, the act is so much more fun with other people. Cause I, I, I used to have people like at, at PAX specifically, I remember like a bunch of people came up to me. It's like, can you insult me? <laughs> and they were <laughs> like, yeah, they, they wanted to really? get like videos of me insulting like them or their friends to send, to send to their friends. They're like, this is fun. So like, I got to just do my stupid voice and, and it's, it's fun. Like I, I think most of the people that I've met understand. I do have like a weird kind of, Maybe I do have like some kind of thing in my head where it's like, oh, I got to be on now, you know, when people are around, like I got to, I got to turn on, I got to be like, I got to be in the headspace of like this persona that I've invented. Um, but I, I don't know if I really mind it, you know, I, I think it's kind of entered, I think it's fun for me to just do that. It again. sounds like you have a cameo career coming up where you uh, insult <laughs> yeah, <right>? people. <laughs> I should look into that. 
There's so many people who are on that site that I just, I can't even fathom how they're on that site. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like, what? Master Chief is on here? A-list people. <laughs> Strange. Yeah. One time I, I went to um, hire Sean Astin, you know, <laughs> yeah. from Lord, Lord of the Rings on and the Goonies and everything. Okay. What? I need to ask you why. <laughs> Let me finish this thought first. I went to hire him uh, to say happy birthday to my sister and it was only 50 bucks. And by the time her birthday came around, it was like 500 bucks. And I was so mad at myself for not taking advantage of the cheap Sean Astin cameo deal oh, when it was available. Why did he block you oh, on I don't Twitter? Know. I'm blocked by all sorts of people that I just, I don't know. I don't know why. Oh. <laughs> it's it's, very, it's probably the chain blocking. It's thing. probably the chain. You know, that's increasingly common. Yeah, it, yeah. It's probably the chain blocking. But I'm also like followed by people that I just don't understand. Hugh Laurie is following me and it's like, what? Why? Whoa, like is that that's and, cool. and part of me has to assume it's it's an accident you know like i have to i i never messaged him or interacted with any of his tweets because i'm like this is definitely an accident his thumb slipped <laughs> while he was on twitter and he followed me by accident and i don't want to alert him to the fact that he's following me because i know he'll unfollow there's no way <laughs> hugh laurie is sitting on twitter being like i wonder what the next halo game will be you know, like there's no, there's no chance in hell. It's possible. It's possible because you saw, no, uh, maybe, maybe if, if uh, people listening haven't seen this, when we had John Swan on talking about uh, the Susie Lou stuff, oh, yeah. right? That was such a massive saga. At a certain point, Lindsay Lohan jumped into the Susie Lou debate and I woke up one morning. What? Wait, wait, I was wait, up wait, early wait, for wait, some wait, reason. Wait, wait, wait. Yeah. Lindsay Lohan jumped into the Susie Lou debate? Yeah. Yeah. So I got up at like six one morning, uh, and I wake up and as I was asleep, Lindsay Lohan had followed John and a couple other people. I forget who had, had made videos. Uh, maybe, uh, I can't, I can't remember, but anyway, um, yeah. So she'd followed them and, and sent a couple messages, you know, saying like taking an interest in the issue of, of the anime, copyrights uh and and how how Susie was putting her content on youtube and it was the strangest thing like most of these people are pretty young you know who are involved in that particular commentary debate yeah. and they wake up and all of a sudden Lindsay lohan is in their you know dms asking about this and, and we're like okay all sorts of weird stuff is going through people's heads during lockdown. This was at like peak quarantine yeah. know, globally. <laughs> We're like, so maybe even the celebrities are, are sitting around wondering about this stuff. There is a non-zero chance that Hugh Laurie is deeply invested in some video game issue. It's possible. I'm not saying it's likely. <laughs> But I think possible. he probably followed me because because of the political stuff. Honestly, I, I think I think that's probably right. Because I think I looked at some of his, some of the people he was following, and he was he was he was following a couple of other um, content creators. And it's like, oh, this is so weird. I just remember being so blown away by that. Like, because I didn't get a notification for that at all. I just had a bunch of people send me a message one day. It's like Doctor House is following you, and I was like, what? What does that mean, Doctor House? Because I forgot <laughs> I, for, I forgot that House was even a show. And I was like, oh yeah, Doctor House. What does that mean? And I looked up Hugh Laurie, and it was and it said follows you, and I was like, this can't. B, what reason could you possibly have? It's just weird whenever you like cross paths with people like that. Like um, even just living in in Los Angeles is, is very strange because there are some times where you're just you're just in, in New York was actually a very similar thing, too. But like you're just you just find yourself surrounded by people and you're like, how the f how am I here right now? Like, what is going on? Like, why is just have you said hi is, to any like A-list people? I don't know about A-list, but I, I, I remember 
um, being at a bar with Justin Roiland and just being like, what am I, what is this? Why am I here? Like, this is so weird. Because I've been following Justin for so long. You know, like I've been following, I've, I've followed Justin since Acceptable TV back in like 2007, 2008. Um, so like the fact that I was just sitting in a bar with him in like Los Angeles was just like, what? I was just like, yeah, but he's kind of in the, the YouTube community. No, yeah, he, well, I'm, I, so you're like, you're like two degrees of separation from, from Roy. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I met, I met, I met him through Zach, obviously, because Zach just knows all those people. But it, I, I just oh, remember okay. just being so baffled that that was happening. And I just like, I, yeah, it, it's weird because I, I don't really get starstruck, really. Like, I, I typically just see people and it's like, all right, like I've seen Conan O'Brien, I don't even know how many times, like in the street, like in, uh, uh, when I was in New York or like uh, any number of people, I've seen Lady Gaga a handful of times. And it's like, oh yeah, that's, yeah, look at that. Um, but it's one thing to see them and it's another thing to just be like in like a, a group, you know, where it's like, this is so, I shouldn't be here really. Like I, I, I made uh, a song parody like two years ago. I shouldn't be here. <laughs> <laughs> I have not animated my, anything. Who, my, my most awkward, um, New York City celebrity encounter was with Steve Buscemi and I was I was leaving my brother's apartment and I was going to get a bagel and there's Steve Buscemi crossing the road and I beelined right to him stopped him in the middle of the street in Park Slope Brooklyn and I said you're Steve Buscemi <laughs> that's what it was my brain just went blank and this is this is what happened it was so embarrassing I go you're Steve Buscemi and he goes yeah. I'm like, <laughs> I am a huge fan of yours. Thank you for everything that you do. I love all your work. Uh, have a great day. And he goes, oh, thanks. And just kind of shuffled away. And that was it. And luckily we didn't get like hit by a car or anything, <laughs> but, but I'm the same way. I don't typically get starstruck, but Steve Buscemi did it to me that he was yeah. like one of the people where I was like, oh my God, I love this man. I think, I think if I was in the same room as Weird Al Yankovic, I would, I would explode. I don't know if, I don't know, I don't know if I would be able to handle that. That, that would be the one thing where it's like, I, I don't even know what to say because this person is just such a wholesome human being that I feel like anything that I could say would be terrible to him. But, um, <laughs> no, I, I get it. Like, and at the same time, it's like, I, I look at, it's weird because this sounds inherently self-flagellatory like where it's like, oh, I kind of get what it's, I have like some semblance of an understanding of what it's like kind of to be a celebrity kind of, you know, because like I know I've been stopped on the street and I've had people like ask for pictures and stuff. And it's like, oh, this is this is interesting. I do not envy people who are just like worldwide famous and like people who like are like wildly well known. Like I know a lot of people are like striving for that. Like, oh, I want to hit like, you know, I want two, three million, five million subscribers. And it's like I'm I am fine where I'm at. It's so nice to just be able to like walk outside and occasionally, occasionally like be stopped by people and be like, oh, hey, I like your stuff. It's like, yeah, that's great, man. But like the thought of it happening, like every, every time that you left your house, um, that sounds so fucking torturous that like I did, especially just because I just, I don't like talking to people in general. Like I, <laughs> like I, I wear headphones like these, like huge headphones, um, all the time when I'm walking down the street because I just know people are less likely to talk to me if I'm wearing headphones. I walk around with like a scowl. <laughs> like I, I walk around like looking furious all the time so people don't stop like, me. Like Popeye the Sailor like, Man Like face. straight up just like, no, it's not Popeye the Sailor Man, but it's like, just like I'm having like a miserable day and you can tell it's like on my face. I actually like, <laughs> I've gone so far as to fake limps sometimes 
where like I'll f- <laughs> yeah like if I, I'll, I'll fake like I'll like walk down the street a little fucked up so people think I'm like all fucked up and they don't I won't they won't want to approach me. It's like a habit I picked up in New York because like you get haggled a lot in New York, especially in Manhattan. Like people, yeah. if you're by like Grand Central Terminal or like a- any of like the big areas that you have to kind of go through to get anywhere to get yeah. anywhere uh, important, um, people will be like, "Hey, you want to buy my fifty dollar mixtape for free?" And it's like, "What are you saying?" Uh, <laughs> So you Mm -hmm. just kind of have to do everything you can to just sort of appear as unapproachable as possible. And I've just sort of kept up with that, that um, philosophy here. Uh, And occasionally I'll slip up and then like, I'll just forget that I have to do that. And then people will be like, Chris, I'll be like, oh, hi. (laughs) But um, I remember this one story where I was in in Grand Central Terminal and I was eating at the Shake Shack in Grand Central Terminal. Um, If anybody is, is a New Yorker listening to this, you know where that is. And I was sitting on like the outer... Uh, one of one of the one of the tables and chairs that were like kind of like it was like a bar table, and then like on the other side was like the rest of the terminal. So like people were just like walking by, mm. and I was eating my little chicken bites, and some some dude comes up to me asking me for my food, like a crazed what? crazed looking guy. It's like I need to give me some of your food, please. Yeah, you'll give me some of your food, please. But he was like demanding, but saying please. It was like really uncomfortable. So I just sort of I just sort of like started moving my head real weird and started like drooling a little bit. And then he left. He just left me alone because, like, I out crazied him. That's that's like a, I, I managed. That's the thing. It's like you gotta you gotta out crazy people in, in in places like that, and it just totally worked. I was like, I remember like being weirdly proud of that moment, even though it was really no, stupid. dude. This is like it's like like you know, cats have claws. Some dinosaurs had like crazy scales or like spikes on their tail. This is like a human evolutionary defense mechanism. Yeah is out crazying other humans. I, I guess it is a defense mechanism. It's just like, it's the, it's the easiest way that I've found to diffuse situations uh, without having to say anything. Because I just don't like wasting my words. I don't, like ta- I don't like talking to people really, you know, especially people that I don't know who are asking me for my food. I remember this was one time in Santa Monica where I was, getting, I was eating at a McDonald's. It was after I was recording Sacred Symbols. And some, ch- some woman walks in. He's like, hey, yo, give me some of your fries. And I just, I, I didn't want to deal with it so much that I took all my fries and I, 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 I crushed all of them because I just did because I knew she was either just going to take my fries or keep hassling me. So I just destroyed all the fries. So neither of us could have them. <laughs> and she just walked away. She's like, damn, dude. She just walked away. At a certain point, you just got to be like, I'm done. I'm just done being a sane person for today. You crushed them and then threw them on the ground or in no, the garbage. I just crushed them into paste and just like left them and just oh. and left them on the table. <laughs> <laughs> and then I said, "Here you go." Um, and she left. She didn't want them. I don't know why you wouldn't want them. It's the same, you know. It's the same. It's the same potato. You know, it's the same fries. Just <laughs> French fry guts yeah, on it's just table. mashed potatoes. Now that you mention all this, when I talked to you at VidCon, you were scowling, limping, crushing food, drooling. Oh, no. I feel terrible about myself now. I didn't put yeah. the pieces together at no, the time. No, that was, that was, that was probably I... just drunk, honestly. <laughs> I don't remember. I, I honestly don't remember a lot. Of, like, any, it's really bad because every time that, like, there's a, a big event or anytime there's, like, hey, let's go to Vegas. Like, I went to Vegas with Derek, uh, some black guy who does the Snark Tank podcast with me. I went to Vegas with Derek and uh, one of my roommates. And I think... I don't think I was sober the entire time. Like I was drunk the whole, the whole fucking time. <laughs> and I don't really drink a lot, really. Like I have a Moscow mule occasionally, you know, that's like the drink that I get. And it's like, it's not typically like, tip, it's not super hard or anything. Um, no. So 
how long were you there for? How long was this? Oh, bender? Vegas was like three days. So it was like I was drunk for three straight days. Uh, and it was hilarious. It was a lot of fun, I think. Um, <laughs> but like, that's just kind of what happens at like VidCon. At VidCon, I'm just like, I'm, you just get sucked into the party environment. And you just forget that you're drinking. You're just having a good time. Um, it's just weird. And you just always, you're just always in the room with people who are just like, what? What is Boogie doing here? <laughs> like, what? <laughs> it's, it's fun. It's a fun environment. Although it's, it's arguably, uh, uh what, what am I, 26 at this point? I'm probably going to have to cut down on that stuff soon. <laughs> oh, man. Ancient. It's ancient, ancient. internet years. It is. Yeah. How, old is how old are those co- commentary community people? Like, John Swan, I feel like, is young, right? He's like, Young, yeah, yeah, I mean, th- there are a handful of them that are, you know, our age or older even, uh, but generally they're kind of like 17 to 21, yeah. I'd say is a fair range. Um, yeah. Like uh, it, Nick Diorio, who you <laughs> yeah. referenced in that Bunty tweet. <laughs> yeah, Nick. I think Nick is, is like 21, 22, something yeah, like that. Yeah. And uh, he, he's on kind of the older side for a lot of them uh, in that I, honestly, it's it's a really neat demographic for that kind of thing because it means they're they're generally kind of at this point where it's a mix of like piss and vinegar, and also enough good judgment and uh, knowledge about things to kind of put all of that together into something kind of wild. And sometimes it's wild and misses, mm-hmm. uh, but when it hits, it really hits in a unique way. So yeah, yeah it's 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 a really neat thing, but it's going to be interesting to see where. Like the the current commentary people, that that heart of it, what they're doing in five years when they're like twenty four, you know, like think things are a little bit a little bit different when you hit that yeah, yeah. That age. I, different in how you look at things and how you feel about doing oh, for it. Sure, yeah, I yeah, I, I worry about the internet a lot just because I feel like it's like I I feel like a lot of the way that like we were talking about before, like I feel like a lot of the way that we interact with people is like borderline sociopathic, um, and I just like. Yeah. Like I see a lot of these, like there are people who are like 16 and they're like making money off of drama videos. And it's like, Oh my God. Like, I really, <laughs> I really wonder how this is going to manifest in like 20 years. But, uh, I guess, I, I guess nothing can be worse than the current state, I guess, where it's where everybody's just sort of locked down and, uh, not able to see their family. I haven't seen my family in like six months. It sucks. It's insane. Are they back yeah, on the they're East in, coast? They're in, uh, yeah. they're in upstate hanging out, waiting for the, upstate. waiting for the world to, fucking get back on its to start yeah again. it feels like this year was canceled honestly this is the year where everybody's getting canceled but like this 2020 was essentially canceled it never started like really i, I there should be like a petition to like next year's 2020 again because we just never got a shot at this year really <laughs> this year sucked. Dude, I was it really just... felt that way it felt that way for me because to me like the winter is kind of not the beginning of the year you know like the year hits when kind of spring yeah, hits, April is about when the year begins to happen. You know, otherwise, like I'm not doing it much. I'm not doing much because uh, it's cold and there's, you know, it, the sun is going down at 4:57. <laughs> uh, like it just nothing exists for months. And so then, yeah, by the time all of that did hit, there was literally nothing. Like. Nothing is what was mandated by law. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's crazy. There's no like, uh, what movies came out? Just Artemis Fowl is the only thing that I could think of. It was terrible. <laughs> did you guys see Artemis Fowl? Yeah, Cinema no, Snacks. I, I think awful. just did a video I on was that. Cracking up. Like we watched. I watched the whole thing, and I uh, and I, I watched the whole thing with my roommates, and we were like, "Did we even watch this?" Like we finished it, and we were just. It, it is probably the worst movie I've ever seen. I've heard it, that. 
Yeah, I think Blues Blues Dank said that, and um, your movie sucks. Gave it a one or a two, like it's really, really bad. bad. Like, because there are bad movies that you can watch. Like Spider Man Three is terrible, but I can watch that movie all the fucking time because it's so funny, and there's so many parts of it that I think are actually pretty good still. Uh, that sand, that whole Sandman sequence when he's like coming to life in that orchestra. I think that's a genuinely like a nice, brilliant scene in that movie, but. You got all the moments where like Peter's dancing and like smacking Mary Jane in the face at a, <laughs> at a fucking jazz club. It's just such an insanely silly movie and it's not good, but I can watch it a bunch of times. Artemis Fowl was just like wild. Like I just couldn't believe like, I, I finished it and I didn't even realize that I had finished it. Insane. Chinchilla just said in the chat, the Sonic movie is going to win the Oscars. And it, it makes me think like, what do, what do the Oscars do? <laughs> When when like seven movies have come out in a year. Yeah, I guess I guess they're just not doing it, huh? Maybe they'll have like TV movies. <laughs> Halloween Halloween Town <laughs> Seven. Life, Lifetime movies win Best Picture. Yeah, I don't know, man. That's that's kind of interesting. If Sonic Sonic did come out this year, that's right. That was the last the last yeah. Sonic was the harbinger of things to come. Because <laughs> the second he <laughs> came onto the scene, the world started ending. What if that was the last movie to ever come out? That can you imagine? <laughs> like that's like the that's the 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 finality. That's the finale of uh, humankind's cinematic achievement. Yeah, and the aliens show up, and they're like, "What was the final piece of 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 artwork that the humans put out? Let's check it out." And it was Sonic the Hedgehog. Do you ever think about like if if society just like if, if everybody just vanished, right? And then like um, buildings and like all this stuff like eroded for like hundreds of years. Like what? what like what would people think of of this culture like uh, like i wonder i think about this a lot like when we when we look at like cats in like egyptian culture where it's like we think that they worship cats and stuff but it's also like mm-hmm. they just sort of drew cats a lot <laughs> you know like i don't know i don't know if you like generally worship things that you're making like i'm sure that they i'm sure that there's a lot of history history i'm not a historian or anything but i just think about like i wonder what i wonder what we're wrong about cuz like you could tell me genuinely that lincoln you could tell me gen- genuinely that Abraham Lincoln was like six different people consolidated into one person to make history easier easier to follow. And I'd be like, yeah, eh, all right, that's fine. That wouldn't surprise me, really. <laughs> like, I'd be like, fine, whatever. If I didn't see it with my own eyes, it, it it's really all hearsay, honestly. Kevin and I were talking about this a couple weeks ago about exactly this issue on what kinds of things are we probably wrong yeah. about? Because we can only verify so much, whether it's a historical thing or if somebody is, you know, looking at human society hundreds of years from now or something like that, what are they going to think? Um, and, and we were talking about how it's impossible to know the feelings that, that anybody had Mm -hmm. in a representative way. So like if you, for example, just had an archive of Twitter from 2020 and you're looking at that, uh, the, the, cross section there is not representative at all of of normal life it just isn't there's so many outliers and so the documented things do tend to be outliers and you don't know really the motivations behind a lot of it Uh, and you also don't know the feelings that people have when they see those things and it's it's really really strange it goes it's conceptually very similar to that what's the difference between you know, a channel and a person like that's something we see in, in, in we did mention this, I think, uh, with Carson as well, where it's like we have tremendous information about somebody like Chris. How many years have have we looked at your stuff and seen you on Twitter and like 
there's a shocking amount of Chris Reagan's thoughts out in the yeah, world. God help me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and, and how much do we know about who you are? You know, like, yeah. Point zero zero one percent. Very little. Yeah. So, yeah. And it's not really possible to know a lot. Like, even if, even if you recorded some very serious confessional style video on some topic, uh, is that, is that really you? Yeah. Yeah. You know, like it, how, it, it's, it, you can't distill a person really, you know, even when you know people, you don't really, you know, like there, there's so many people who are like, oh, he was so nice. And then he ended up blowing up the Wendy's, yeah. <laughs> you know? So like even in person, <laughs> even in person, that disconnect is, is, is really strong. So just the thought that the thought that we could know people through uh, Twitter or through like YouTube, when people who are related to these people don't even know, you, you know, like it, it's just such a, a weird I live my whole life under the assumption that I know very little about everybody. You know, that's kind of just my assumption. It's like, so when people give me shit about like talking to people, it's like, people are like, I can't believe you're still friends with Bunty King. It's like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know everything about Bunty King, but like, uh, he's, he's, I like him. He's fine. He's nice to me. And that's, uh, whatever, you know, I can't, I can't be caught up in the minutia of like everybody who's fighting with everybody. And like, occasionally, like you'll, you'll find this in, in YouTube communities where it's like, you'll be friends with somebody who's like, you know, at odds with a friend of yours. And then like, it's always this like weird, like, and it's like, listen, dude, I don't know what to tell you. Like we have different experiences with this person and I get it, but like, you know, I, I can't be, I'm not going to be coaxed into not talking to people. Like I just, I just don't agree with that. And the fact that we know, so the fact that we think that we know so much is, is wild, you know, especially about other people who we just don't really have any connection to. I think the first thing that blew my mind was like when I, when we found out that dinosaurs had fucking feathers. You know, and I was like, are you, are you kidding me? <laughs> like, I, I've been living my entire life with this assumption of like complete fact, right? That like, oh, Jurassic Park, you know, that's what they look like. No debate. And then suddenly, like, they look like fucking chickens, like out of, um, or, or they look like, uh, that, that stupid, that, no, that's too, that's too specific of a reference. And I'm, I'm, I'm ashamed to have even remembered this. <laughs> There's like a really awkward drawing of like some fictional animal in the cat in the hat movie with Mike Myers. <laughs> That I just really vividly remembered for a second. I don't know why, but <laughs> well, wait, that's but highly did you, specific. <laughs> did, did you see? Did you see the uh, the meme of the the hippopotamus skull? What? Oh yeah, like like how we assume okay. like it looks versus like how it. Um... Uh, oh man, it blew my mind. So if anybody hasn't seen this, I don't know how you would search for it, but it was basically it was a hippopotamus skull, and then it was like an artist rendering of what a hippopotamus would look like based off that skull and it looks like some alien life form like a uh, very um scary kind of dinosaur and then it shows you a picture of a hippopotamus and it looks nothing like that it has like a gigantic big fat face yeah and uh yeah the, the, the idea behind it being like look based off this thing's skull you would never arrive at the conclusion of hippopotamus yeah it, it's 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 it is that i saw that exact post and it and it I was staring at it for like way longer than I probably should have because it was so it was so mesmerizing. <laughs> it was just so interesting to see like uh, how we just sort of inherently fan like we we make ordinary things very fantastical when we're left to our own imaginations. When like reality is just very very mundane. Like it'd be wild if we found out that the T Rexes were just fat looking, just fat schlubby looking idiots, uh, and they were still terrifying <laughs> yeah. somehow. But like it, it just completely retroactively undid all of the all of the work and all of the like interesting shit that like Jurassic Park and all these other films have done. Um, I, I think about that 
a lot. Andrew just posted uh, the hippo thing in the chat, by the way, in the in the episode chat uh, that shows the skull, the alien reconstruction, and the the actual animal. And I, I hadn't seen this before. It's very now. cool. Um, yeah, yeah. It's and I can see, I can totally see how that reconstruction would make sense to the person doing it. But then, yeah. then you get the hippo face the problem is the problem is typically artists aren't scientists and typically scientists aren't artists so typically when you have somebody doing like a reconstruction of a skull an artist is thinking purely in art and like a scientist is probably a scientist could probably come up with a pretty accurate rendition of of what a dinosaur looked like but would he be able to really draw it or like really you know probably not generally speaking i think nine times out of ten probably not but that always that always, oh this is so random sorry but that reminds me of like police sketches oh yeah <laughs> i never understood how somebody could be like okay well he had like mm, like eyebrows that were like kind of like like bushy i guess and yeah, like, yeah. how in the I, world <laughs> like like i i have looked at your face a lot i've looked at matt's face a lot if i went down to the local precinct and tried to mm. tell a sketch artist to draw your faces what would that yeah. look like? How would I even begin to do that? It makes is this just like a TV thing? Like how how is that real? <laughs> There's actually so much more onus on the person describing than there is on the artist. You know what I mean? Because like I, I often feel this. I often yeah. feel this way a lot. Where it's like I feel like vocabulary in general is like it, the English language is kind of shit. So like when you when you're describing a person's face, there's really only a handful of things that you could really describe. There's only a handful of words that would really fit and there's really only a handful of words that everybody would unanimously understand um yeah like there's all sorts of descriptive words that i just i've never heard of in my life and i'm never going to use you know but like how do you describe a person like uh oh you know uh uh defined defined jawline uh full lips uh, uh big glasses <laughs> uh big swollen eyes like how do you even like i, I don't even if i that's, that's how saying. i describe myself and like, I think like you would see like some kind of like <laughs> Gomez looking alien, <laughs> like, you know, like you'd end up with a dinosaur. Yeah, like I, I just, I, I have a trouble, I have trouble describing people in general. Like I, I wouldn't know how to describe a person physically to, to anybody. Like I, I, like I couldn't describe you to anyone. I couldn't describe Tom Sweeney to anybody. It's just like, oh, he's, he's a fly. He's my roommate. He's, he's a, he's fat. He's African-American and he, uh, he, he has thick hair. That's it. That's all I can tell you. That doesn't. I know it, it doesn't exactly. It's just like everybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think you can take really so, some of the quirky words that just have a super weird, highly specific. But then meaning, that that person who's describing and just assign somebody. But then that to person them. who's describing has yeah. to know that word. That's the thing. Yeah, but then when they when they figure it out or you explain it to them, it 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 forces them to lock onto it. So, like, here's an example. I was reading about something the other day. And there, there's this word, and I'm going to butcher it because I know, I know French less than virtually anything in the mm -hmm. world. Um, but there was, uh, the word is like a soup, soup, and then E-U-R. And it's deriving a certain kind of gratification out of dipping bread into a fluid and then consuming that <laughs> bread. So... Uh, this popped in Parisian literature in the mid 20th century, where there are several different references where guys would describe like dipping bread into a urinal and eating the bread. A urinal? And a urine? A urinal? Yeah. So, yeah. So this, this is like the way that you at Olive Garden would like dip endless breadsticks into the olive oil. This would be done with urine instead. Um, 
And and I think that's what you've got to seize on where you and just they like ate it. They yes. ate the the pea bread. Yes, with a with a certain uh, a certain sense this of is, gratification. This is genuinely that. enraging yeah. me. Like what I'm hearing right now. <laughs> <laughs> this is the shit that this is this, but this, this is, is the, the kind of shit that Colin springs on me in the podcast <laughs> just to piss me off. <laughs> this is my point though, because if you say if I'm like yeah, Chris Raygun looks to me like. He, he's kind of, I, I can't describe him. I don't know him, but I get this sense that he's really one of those super kind of guys. And they're like, oh, what's that? I'm like, well, you know, somebody who dips a muffin in urine and eats it and just really enjoys that. <laughs> that's, I think that's the best we can do is just assign these crazy traits. Yeah. When we don't know somebody and pretend like it's the actual truth that I'm st- my mind is still reeling from how angry I am that that's even like a real thing. Is that a re- that's, that's I'm going to link thing? it in the chat. People used to dip bread in piss or is that like a f- turn of phrase? Yeah. No. Okay, let me read you a quote from this, uh, like from out of one of the uh, one of the things I was 12. Marshall, my boyfriend of Cloth Street, had teamed up with a guy who lived on Orto or- or- Street just above the urinal where diners began to dip their piece of bread in piss. They put the whole loaves coming in. Uh, and resume the gentle evening. We had spotted them. We were naive. We did not realize they ate bread swollen with urine. I am so fucking furious. Uh, I, I, I hate this. I, I really... <laughs> I, I think that we have to wrap up on pea bread. Like, where do, where do we go from here? I mean, we've reached the pea bread point of the conversation. I think that... We need to like turn it over to some questions from uh, yeah that works <laughs> our our, pa- our patrons <laughs> Lars from the first pa- podcast uh, said in the chat make this the cold open please <laughs> <laughs> yeah there you go <laughs> oh jeez do, uh, Matt, we do, do have, we have questions for Chris we do have some questions mm-hmm. and uh, Andrew wanted to know what your favorite anime was oh man. I I have a lot of nostalgia for Dragon Ball Z to the point where like I, I don't know if I I don't know if I understand that it's like schlocky and I understand that it's like the generic kind of everyone's favorite. But like Dragon Ball Z is like huge for me because it was like it was the first it was the first real anime that I'd seen. Uh, it was the first video game series that I actually got into, like uh, with the Budokai games we were like the first real um like on PS2, that was like the best shit ever. Like Budokai 3 and and like all those Dragon Ball games and even on PlayStation Ultimate Battle 22 and and uh, I think Final Bout, which was not particularly great. Uh, but I, re- I love Dragon Ball Z a lot. But I think if I was going from like a pure quality standpoint, I feel like I would say, and I'm not an anime guy, by the way, like at all, but I, I think I would say Cowboy Bebop is, is probably the top for me. I love the soundtrack. I love the 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 setting i love the character designs you know it's it's just a very fun uh it, it's it's such a good show i just love that i love cowboy bebop that's that theme is amazing too yeah did you see the video uh the quarantine video where they played it recently uh, well not recently but a few months ago once one one lockdown kind of started they played cow wait what do you who played cowboy bebop <clears throat> the oh, band like awesome. the original band i think yeah i think yoko kano was even involved <laughs> um yeah you would love that's, it that's it's really good it's really good that's awesome. Oh, let me look through the pinned here. Um, oh, this is this is an interesting one. Conrad uh, wanted to know what you thought of the Smash controversies of late, if anything. Yeah, I have a video um, that is still waiting for sponsor approval. I actually have to re-edit a, l- a little bit of it, but I, t- I touch on it a little bit. It's it's uh, it's it's pretty crazy. I think I actually met one of those guys briefly at like a 
at a at a Korean barbecue place. Uh, I didn't really talk to him at all, but like I just remember being like, "Oh, that's that guy. Interesting." <laughs> uh, it's listen, man. Um, that is a that is a wild. That's probably like the biggest. Um, I don't even know if there's a word for it, but like the the biggest scandal in like any given community that I've ever seen, really. Um, because it's so many of them, and and so many of them are just like, "Yeah, whoops." A lot of them are like, whoops, yeah, sorry, my bad. And it's like, what? <laughs> what? My bad? Like, it's just, it's insane. Like, and, and that was that one commentator who dated like a 14 year old or whatever. And it's just like, yeah, yeah. I, she was something like 24, yeah, right? And it's, and, ugh. and kind of, kind of groomed him up a little bit. You know, it's all, all, alleged so i'm not yeah, gonna you yeah. know, speak uh with authority on it but he just des- he described you know like s- kind of very slowly be- turning into that boyfriend role i i really don't understand um silence as far as that goes like, you know what i mean like if if something if something like this was being said about me and it was false i'd be like i would be making twitter videos i'd be like what the fuck are you insane like you know what i mean like i wouldn't i wouldn't be so like all these people are like really silent it's like it just I feel like silence always makes you look guilty, like regardless, you know, I, I would rather see somebody just be like, no, it's bullshit. Or just like a lot of them have just been like, yeah, yeah, this happened. Whoops. I'm sorry. A lot of them have stepped down. Um, but like, honestly, like, I, I just think generally speaking, um, you know, I, I, I get into in more depth in, in the video and I don't necessarily want to repeat myself, but I'll, I'll just say this. Um, I am, I, I am, I am five foot four, nearly blind, frail as a skeleton. Uh, my hair is thin. My forehead is enormous. If I can pull women my age, then you have no excuse. <laughs> it is what, it, it, if this is part of your video, you know, say that so you don't cover ground twice, but how can this kind of thing happen in such a, a niche? Because like, obviously this isn't where it, Maybe it, maybe it is, and it's the first one to come to light. But like, we don't hear about this, in, you know, broadly in gaming. In mm-hmm. gaming, how is it possible that such a weirdly tight little niche community can have seemingly such an outsized number of these incidents? Like, I how think is it's that because possible? it's so niche? So people are so tightly wound together and so tightly uh, involved that it's difficult to really break out of it because no one's gonna no one's going to tattle. Like if you have like a community that's very, very uh, all encompassing and very, very broad, uh, chances are people, chances are those people are going to get outed a lot quicker and it's not going to affect the broader community because it's just like one person taken out like at the very beginning or like one person being like a particular problem. But like when you have like a bunch of people who are like, uh, when you have a bunch of crazy people in like one community who have like an insane amount of authority over that community um, who are ostensibly like not working together really, but like, I don't know what the stupid blur whatever um i, I don't know I, I just think generally this is definitely happening in more than one community you know uh i'll say that much you think there are going to be more stories sure, like yeah it? this this sort of thing and and i can i can say for certain that uh um this stuff does happen like a lot like i i, I haven't seen any any of this stuff personally but i i've definitely like heard uh stories and i've seen behavior that i would i would call like you know, that's you do you, but like also like that. Maybe maybe don't uh, don't do that. And he's like, Nah, man, it's fine. I'm like, All right, <laughs> this this happens, man. People are people are like really just skirt skirting lines, and it's like uh, 
I don't know. And, and a lot of it isn't like illegal. Like, it's just like, hey, you know, she's 18. It's like, yeah, but like you're fucking 30. Uh, calm down a little bit, you know, like there's just certain lines that people are dancing around that I'm just like, I, I can only help you as, as much as uh, you're willing to listen. Like it, it, I had an argument on Facebook like four like four weeks ago about some dude about like wearing masks and how like st- he's like, oh, I'm wearing masks is stupid. And now he's now he's dead. So it's like, listen, man, mm, I, right. I, I can only help you so much. I can tell you what you're doing wrong and I can give you an advice. But like ultimately, um, you know, I, I don't I, I'll put it this way. I don't have a hard time believing a lot of this stuff. And that's got to be a dicey one in terms of the, the sponsor approval, right? Like uh, just just talking about a subject that is has that level of controversy and sensitivity. That, that's got to be a little no. bit tough. No, you not, got a green light not straight at all. away. They don't care what I do because I think I've 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 had well, I have a really good click through rate, and I have like really good um, engagement with my stuff. So typically, a lot of advertisers are just going to be like, do whatever you want, like literally do whatever you want. We have a copy that you should follow. And like, maybe we'll ask you to edit the copy. Maybe we'll ask you to edit certain things about the ad part. But whatever follows the ad, whatever you want to do. So I have like a lot of freedom because I've established that my channel is kind of not raunchy, but like not necessarily like, you know, kid friendly. And it's I'm not going to I'm not going to shy away from crazy shit. So sponsors are actually totally fine. YouTube ad rev is probably like not. You know, because they're a lot more persnickety than yeah. actual advertisers are, which is just fucking infuriating. But, you know, whatever. At least there's a sponsor right. to help offset. Um, and obviously Patreon exists too. So, but no, I, I have pretty good experience with sponsors, generally speaking. They're, they're pretty, they're pretty, um, open and they're pretty lenient with the stuff that they're willing to, uh, they're willing to let me do kind of a lot of shit that I think a lot of people might not be able to get away with. I, I think for a Dollar Shave Club thing, I said, um, uh, I said something like, "Let me let me tell you and your sweet, soft, supple ass about this uh, about this uh, Dollar Shave Club thing," and they just let me say it. <laughs> it's just like it's it's fun stuff. They let me insult the the buyer too, and it's 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 fun. It's nice. Well, we do have to know. We have to know a very personal thing oh. about you. Um, two people now have have opened this window into their soul for us. Uh, John Swan and Carson mm-hmm. both did. And now we need to know the details of your fursona. <laughs> My fursona. If I had, if I, this is like, if I had to choose. Yes. Yes. If you don't currently have a, a fursona, you're going to have to. Okay. One. I don't have one, but, uh, <laughs> I like, I like the, you ever see those, this is like a recent image that's been going around, but I'm sure it's probably older. You know, those images of the, 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 the human sized bats. Yeah. Oh, yeah. you guys, I heard you talking about that with Colin on the podcast yeah. a couple so of weeks the, ago. Yeah. And then I, I Googled it. I Googled it because of your conversation and it was terrifying. Is that, is that like a, pers- uh, like a perspective that's a real illusion fucking or bat, are these dude, things really real big? They're that, that big? bat. How big are like, we talking? Uh, like four four foot five or something and they're like is that the wingspan no, no, no. or like top, top, to top bottom? To, the wingspan's hilarious the wingspan's like the wingspan's uh, like six feet or something it's uh um it, it makes you cry regardless like nothing <laughs> you could lose your whole family that day and see that bat and the bat would still be the most upsetting thing about your day the, it, but i admire i admire that bat because the audacity of that thing to just exist is so um I admire that audacity just to be like, yeah, I'm a fucking nightmare creature. Um, I'm a fucking I'm a Castlevania cartoon thing come to life. I exist. 
I'm real. I could carry your baby like as lo- as far as I wanted to. And there's nothing you could do about it. Uh, I admire that. So I think I would choose the long, frail, skinny bat. Oh, you know, that was going to be the follow up question because Isaac just posted uh, two two uh, drawings here. He's a, one is a fluffy bat and one is a skinny bat. Um, reference sheets. He Where says is it? Are. Is it in um... uh, the episode chat? Yeah, and what you're describing is like if that bat wore jeans, they would be skinny jeans. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so. no, for sure. Uh, I, I I admire that thing because it's just so <laughs> lanky and creepy, um, and I, I appreciate. Wow. That. And where do they live? Where do they actually Fucking live? Hell, I don't know. <laughs> I, I think um, I I think it was Southeast Asia somewhere, yeah. if I remember so correctly. Literally Transylvania. <laughs> no, 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 it's, no, no, that's no. Southwest. No, 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 not not Transylvania. No, yeah, no, listen, no. Man. Like, uh, I don't, I don't want to make up a country, but I think it was somebody saying Philippines. Conrad says it's the Philippines. If that there shit is go. in the that can't be in the Philippines. That is fucked. Really? Oh my god! <laughs> apparently, god, apparently, god damn. What, they must be really elusive, though, because it, it just makes no sense that they haven't been driven to extinction just for being so scary by humans. Yeah, that's probably why they haven't. I mean, we, like, no one wants to fuck with them. <laughs> we don't have any Can you weapons imagine for them. Seeing a fucking Skyrim ass looking bat flying around like that that that's it, man. Like that's like the mosquitoes in like the Caribbean or like any any insect that you find in like uh Australia, like the camel spiders that'll like run up to you and like scoop your face out of your skull while you're sleeping, or just like or the or the um the bees that like kick you off your bike and, and shoot you in the in the neck with like a registered firearm. <laughs> It's just the stupidest, the stupidest <laughs> shit that I've ever seen exists in all those countries. And I'm like, I, I can't. I'm glad I live in America where all I have to deal with is like an occasional stink bug or like a like an ant, you know, or a murder hornet, I guess, since that's a thing. <laughs> Fuck insects in general. This is why MacArthur left the Philippines. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we should have listened uh, 50, 70 years ago. <laughs> yeah, honestly. Oh. Well, look, uh, I want to end on uh murdering bees gigantic bats and um uh face scooping camel spiders thank you so much chris for joining us you can follow chris on youtube chris raygun two podcasts snark tank podcast and sacred symbols uh, a game featuring him if you play yeah, it's games on, it's on, on um, ps4 it's on and, playstation uh, it's on ps vita and ps4 it's a uh, twin break yeah vita. twin breaker a uh, sacred symbols adventure it's a uh, it's a fun little brick breaker uh, it's, it's, an, it's, I'm in a video game, which is insane. <laughs> it is Crazy. insane. Thank you so much for joining us, man. It was awesome. Yeah, thanks, man. Thanks for having me. Until then. Uh, oh, and also everybody who's listening, uh, if you want to be involved in these, uh, live recordings that we're doing now, uh, go to patreon.com slash the create unknown, become a patron, become a $2 talk, become part of the dumpster crew, join the baby gang. There are so many options. Baby gang. I like that here at the, I like baby gang <laughs> at the create unknown. And you can submit questions in advance too, that we pin to it. Uh, you've got plenty of time before somebody actually comes on, uh, Boromir just, just tried to sneak a question in at the end about when we were getting the Chris Raygun only fans. Not if, but when. Uh, um, I, I'll if I hit a million subscribers, I'll do it. Oh, there it's you go. Been recorded in the public record now, and also thanks to Cat, by the way, uh, the newest baby in the baby gang. Cat joined up the other day, and we are absolutely thrilled 
uh, <laughs> to have another baby in the Create Unknown orphanage. So thank you for that. Yeah. We now have a cat in the in the baby gang orphanage. Um, <laughs> the orphanage is open. Come and join us. Patreon.com slash the Create Unknown. Thanks again, Chris. Until next time, we will see you, Space Cowboys. Take care, guys.